Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is the Soho Radio Podcast, showcasing some of the best broadcasts from our online radio station, right from the heart of Soho, London. Across our music and culture channels, we have a wide range of shows covering every genre, along with chat shows, discussions and special broadcasts. Here is just one of our recent shows. To catch the full show, head to our Mixcloud page or listen live at SohoRadioLondon.com. Welcome to the Grief Mixtapes, the first show of 2022. I am here with author, broadcaster and journalist uh, Emma Warren Hello. and artists Rebecca Strickson and Sarah Boris. Hi guys, hi everybody. Hey. Hey. What a dream crew. <laughs> Thank you so much for starting the year like this. Thank you for coming. Um, so I'd like to, we've just played one of Emma's choices, a song called This Woman's Work. And I just thought that was so beautiful. I listened to it a lot over the weekend. Um, this was recorded in the first lockdown, um, which feels <laughs> like a long time ago. It feels like we've been doing this for a long time. Um, Emma, you said how this channels the tenderness that we kind of cultivated in this period, which, yeah, it's sort of, you know, such a period of adversity and a first as well. We didn't really know what was coming. I found it really moving. Can you tell us a little bit about why you put that on there? Certainly. Um, I think when I was, you know, when you invited me to come uh, and talk on this, and I think it's so amazing to have a space to talk about grief because it's such a universal emotion, and yet we don't really ever examine it much. We prefer, it's often something that we just prefer to kind of sideline. But it occurred to me that one of the things that often comes along with grief is this feeling of extreme tenderness. And what I got from that whole recording, which, like you say, was recorded um, by Brandy Younger, the harpist, and Desron Douglas, bass player, in their apartment in the first lockdown, was that sense of tenderness that came with all that loss. You know, the loss of being able to go to the bar or the loss of the confidence that tomorrow will be like today. Mm. Um, But what they brought through was a feeling that I associate with grief and loss, which is this extreme tenderness. Mm. Yeah, I think that um, the rawness that, you know, where, I don't know, I remember sort of feeling like there just isn't enough energy to feel anything beyond the tenderness. So you don't have the energy to kind of put the armour up because you're just kind of broken. Mm -hmm. So you're just like kind of operating in this sort of, yeah, very minimal kind of tender state in a sort of small circle and trying to just get through and get by. And yeah, I thought it was really beautiful. and Sarah, you, in one of your choices, you mentioned um, the song Rising, La Sede de Sela, um, one of the last concerts you saw before the pandemic hit. Tell us about that, why you put that on there. Um, it's funny because usually I don't really remember anything. <laughs> and then suddenly I started remembering like the last gigs I saw before uh, lockdown and um, 
it, it just became really and like specific dates and specific moments. Um, and I put that in there actually because it was a tribute to, to Lassa at the Barbican Center with a, a lot of different uh, musicians. It was just really moving, and um, it was also uh, at the Barbican. You can't uh, stand up, but everyone stood up because there was so much emotion in the room. Amazing! Um, and it's just a song that kept coming back as well during lockdown, and that really, I don't know, brings a lot of emotions. Um, yeah, I think uh, that's such a great space as well. To I think the Barbican, like these, that incredible, yeah, the architecture of it, and you know, and and I think these memories of the world we had before lockdown is just yeah and the how rapidly things can change and it, it, I actually found that that those first few weeks of lockdown were not dissimilar to grief because of that feeling of like okay the world can literally turn upside down in you know a, a 24 hour kind of period yeah. um and you kind of then go into this shock new world that you kind of don't really is the first for everybody so everybody's panicking don't have any framework or reference points and um and it's all just kind of really treading really lightly to see what's gonna how things are gonna fall yeah um and rebecca sorry becky <laughs> <laughs> it's like should i call you rebecca what's right okay um, so moving over to your grief mixtape. Um, sorry, Rebecca. Sorry, really full. <laughs> I do always feel like I'm being told off. Yeah, Rebecca. Rebecca. <laughs> <laughs> Becky, moving over to your grief mixtape. Um, one of your choices, immunity, really struck me as well. And because we talk about the word immunity is like all yeah, over the place. I hadn't now, even really it? thought about that because that has taken on a whole not different <laughs> meaning, but it's just it's everywhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And sort of daily conversations about yeah. immunity that we never thought we'd be having. Um, but this is another beautiful, really tender yeah. song. Um, and yeah, d would you tell us a little bit about why? I, mean, why I that's think that uh, for me, it was, it's as much the song as is John Hopkins as well, because he's just so interesting, and his work is so fascinating. Um, and for me, it was it, it, it's a it kind of that that associate, I say it's a, I can't talk today. Associate that in a part of my life where um, I was. L missing out on the joy of dancing yeah. and the joy of going out and doing things and being with people and had become quite isolated and almost like in hibernation but not out of my own choice particularly and I felt with um I remember going to see him at Glastonbury and it just being this you know not just not like a rave but a, a quite a quiet rave in a way <laughs> do you know what I mean like a cerebral like um, thinking rave music where you're just like this and it's just I think I tied in with the video as well because I think the video is fantastic for it um, it's a kind of a whole a whole thing where it's just that um, that when you miss that joy of movement which we've had so much over the last two years as well you know that joy of being able to to be in contact with other people and to be able to um, have a shared experience and a shit, and I was I was totally missing that at that point in my life, and yeah. there's just something resonated with that whole album as well. Um, but especially that track of just wanting to lose it, but in a kind of really thoughtful way. I really like that kind of dancing. Actually, mm. it's really nice to be able to find that. Have you? Um, has anyone else been able to find that kind of dance space or any dance space in the last couple of years? That's been. I know now things are coming back, and 
Our government seems to have their own dance space. <laughs> you can't go to that one. Though. I know. Let's not talk about their dancing though. No. Let's let's not. Please. Or filling up suitcases with yeah. alcohol from oh. co-op on the strand. But anyway, we're not supposed to talk about politics on here. But always try, always get it in somehow. But yeah, that aside, the grossness aside, anyone had some nice dancing experiences. Yeah, I, I had a I had a few moments during lockdown where um, we just it was those weird moments, you know, when you just call people on Zoom and 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 then at one point someone said, oh, I have a playlist, and then we just all started dancing. Mm. And I think that night I had mezcal, <laughs> <laughs> and it helps. And it really helped. But uh, those moments were definitely quite rare during lockdown. And mm, but yeah. uh, especially like now starting the year in isolation, and in a very small space, I did feel like the urge to move around and I was just going around in circles like walking up and down a tiny corridor of like maybe four four meters uh, long you know which is like the, the width of the flat and, and and I think it's this idea of movement is really important and I think it comes back with music a lot but otherwise we forget as well like I feel a bit like a slushed slug <laughs> yeah because i think you're storing so much kind of stress and anxiety in your body you mm. know i just think yeah it has to it feels like the most natural thing to do to get it out in some way how mm. about you emma have you well i've been uh, i spent a lot of the lockdown writing a book about dancing and i decided that one of the things i would do would be to video myself regularly dancing because i didn't actually know how i moved and um and so I didn't do uh, they're, they're orders on my phone. I'm not planning on doing anything with them. <laughs> but it was really, it would be like I just put on a tune and then just move how that music instructed me to move mm. and then watch it. And sometimes I'd be like, oh my God, like, what is my face <laughs> doing? But I would notice quite often that my eyes would go like gone quite quickly. It happens really fast, that kind of sense of actually you are inhabiting a different kind of mode. And I could see it on my face when I was watching the videos back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it in another kind of realm. Mm -hmm. or, yeah, but that's the, nice. The one other thing I would add is that I went to the We Out Here Festival in the summer and that was the first time I'd been out and about. And I also I had long COVID for a long time last year. So when I went to We Out Here, that was like a real experiment. Can I actually manage it? And I found myself in this tent and the music was like really energetic and really exciting. And I didn't know if I had any dancing in my body, but I did. And not for very long, but like the just that feeling of moving with lots of other people was so amazing and happy and joyful and tearful. I found like really found myself mm. and I, I don't cry very often. I'm like my eyes do not leak water <laughs> as often as they should. But I really felt completely overwhelmed with the what was happening to me to be able to do this again with other people. I think that really says a lot because I think, you know, yeah, I think we've all kind of got through the, the, the various lockdowns in whatever ways we can, but maybe nothing can replace the communal collective mm. like experience in general, but the dancing experience where it's like non-verbal, but you're just you're together is just yeah. really powerful. Yeah. Um, I'm going to play these two songs, um, not normally songs that would necessarily be together, but I'm going to play them and, um, and then we'll come back to talking more about your other choices. I got caught in the storm
We're just talking about the um, advantages of leaving London and whether some people could do it and whether, yeah, whether, you know, it's good for making bigger work and um, I guess it's an ongoing an ongoing conversation. Um, there are, there's a lot of really, this is a really eclectic playlist we have today from, and we were talking about this last night actually because I was putting this together and um, my partner and I were talking about how um, a lot of the songs that we would choose and how this changes as well for grief, around grief, but a lot of the songs are just, they basically kind of come from different episodes of your life, so they really can be quite conflicting with each other. Some of the some of the tracks, when you say, can you do a grief mixtape, mine was like all <laughs> over the place. Um, and really kind of hard to explain unless you were kind of there. Um but one of the one of another really beautiful song, um, Emma, that you chose, and you've actually brought it in on vinyl, which is a real treat to have to be able to play something on vinyl. Um, is Nina Simone? You'll never walk alone, and this um, is connected to a really poignant story for you. Um, yeah, this I heard it at a funeral, and. It was a funeral of a very beloved older member of the family. And the reason I chose it, I kind of, to be honest with you, shied away from things that were very direct. But this is the one that I chose that is very direct because I heard it at a funeral. But the thing I wanted to say about it was that in that moment where I was completely like in like paroxysms of grief you know crying my eyes out to the point where another family member said afterwards I thought who's that person sitting behind me like she didn't recognize me um and just you know really really properly crying my eyes out and when I heard this song I heard it as something extremely beautiful but I didn't hear it as music mm. and I didn't even recognize the tune um and you know you'll never walk alone the person um who we were saying goodbye to was a Celtic fan so obviously there's a relationship as well to to kind of you know their love of football and their love of that team but I didn't recognize it I just heard it as these kind of um almost like individual notes that weren't connected into a song and I heard them as individual notes that sounded incredibly beautiful and kind of mirrored how we were all feeling but I didn't hear it in the same in anything like the same way as I would have done normally and you know I've, I've listened to it very rarely since then maybe twice um and I, and I know that it does sound differently when I'm not in that situation, but I still hear it a bit like that. Mm. It's really interesting, I think, that um, to hear sort of sound rather than, yeah, lyrics or the, you know, the song structure itself. Mm. I, I do think that something happens on a sensory level when you're, when you're in grief where you, mm. I don't know, I, I can very much relate to that feeling yeah, as well. Definitely. Yeah. I think there's actually something about it is to do with, um, you know, grief brings you very much into the present. There is no past, there is no future. There's just like the pain of where you are. Mm. And maybe what's happening is you're just hearing kind of like every millisecond as an individual moment, <laughs> which yeah. is why I couldn't hear the song because what had gone before, what I would normally be able to hold in my head as, you know, a bar or a phrase or a verse, or I mean, it's, it's instrumental, but mm. I couldn't because I was so... Um, kind of, I just banged the mic cable with my, by waving my arms about. Um, but it kind of reduced me to like milliseconds of awareness, which perhaps is why I just heard it like that. I don't know. 
I think something happens to your memory, not yours particularly, but our memory um, and thought processes where um, what would normally happen as a sequence of events, and my therapist told me this years ago, is uh, so the it is replaced by a very raw, painful like trauma, which is at the front of your, it's like your frontal yeah. memory. So you can't go beyond that trauma particularly for a while. Mm. Um, and I think that really because I can remember that I can remember sort of not having the mental space to think about like brushing my teeth or something for yeah. like you know because it's just there in the front so all you, all I could do I remember just pacing up and down that was like really rhythmic and important but I don't really remember being able to do much else in yeah. the beginning I think rhythm is hugely important in grief because grief contains so many rhythms you know there's those frantic Moment, especially if you found out something shocking, if you, if it's come as a shock out of nowhere, there is that like, oh my god, everything's happening now, everything's happening now, everything's happening, and then it slows down, and then there's that, you know, we liken it to things like waves, and we liken it to to movement all the time. Grief is constantly bound up in talking about it with senses of of movements and rhythms and things like that, and and how they warp, weave, and change throughout the way you feel them because obviously they never it never goes it just develops and changes and becomes different things over time yeah so i think the natural i mean obviously i mean you know this you do you do that you do a mixtape the natural um association of music to grief Mm. you know and they're so tight closely tied in with each other i think it's really it's interesting and obviously listening to other people's what those rhythms are for other people you know some people will always be a slow you know, it might be a solemn march. Somebody else is dancing, you know, their head off somewhere. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's also really dependent on the, you know, on the moment. It's very moment to moment grief mm. as well, isn't it? Or at least early grief can yeah. be such a roller coaster. Um, yeah. And I think that thing around, yeah, rhythm and the sort of sensory like collection of sounds is so true of of grief. Um, yeah, and early experiences of grief. Um, I want to come back to talking about we were having a really interesting chat when some of the songs were being played about how our work has changed as well over this period of time um, as a sort of not necessarily a response to the pandemic, but yeah, as it sort of all ironed itself out. Um, and we'll come to that after playing this really beautiful track by Nina Simone. So we, as we were saying, um, I'm not really supposed to talk about politics on here, but I can't resist every time, particularly at the moment because it feels pretty, you know, present and in our faces, as it always is, but I think particularly now we're in the midst of mega scandal. Um, I really wanted to talk about kind of current politics and and how that kind of... How, yeah, living in this time, um, kind of in this country, but also, you know, on a broader international scale, how that sort of impacted on 
our work on on kind of grief in a in a in a broader sense as well kind of a communal collective grief um and um yeah some of the ways that sort of living in this kind of what seems like an ongoing adversity has, has impacted on many different parts of our lives and this is sort of for anybody really um Becky was saying that a lot of your work has changed shape over these past few years yeah I think that you know I kind of started I thought I started print selling in about five years ago and I've been making up until that point kind of you know pretty much solely commercial stuff and so my own voice was not particularly well um you know wasn't coming through my work in that sense and then I made a lot of work based around politics in about 2017 which kind of set off doing what I do now effectively and you know I was I'm very um quick quick to talk about politics you know I'm a very political person and it's, it very massively informs my life as it does everyone but there's something about the current administration and there's something about the people in charge at the moment that I am so incensed, I am so angry, I'm so overwhelmed by it, I can't actually make a lot of work about it. Yeah. It's too much yeah. for my own mental health at times. I'm not a reactive illustrator anyway. I'm not someone that, you know... And I have friends that do it, and they do it really well. Where You know, I'm not a cartoonist that the... the you know, a news story comes up and they make a piece of work about it immediately. There felt like there was a possibility of doing that four or five years ago, but every day <laughs> is horrific. <laughs> the every yeah. day there is a new thing that in itself <laughs> should be enough to get someone fired. But when you consider the whole, the, all, the enormity of all of itness, it's like, oh my God, what is going on here? What is actually happening? And... I think my time is best spent not making that reactive work at the moment. For, 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 and I'm thinking about me more than necessarily an audience. You know, I think my work at the moment is best placed sitting somewhere else. Mm. And it's always got that in the background. It's always infused with that sense of, you know, at the moment, outright anger mm. and, you know, outrage. Um, but it's not implicitly about that at the moment. And I'm very comfortable with that. I don't feel like I've, you know, you know let the side down by not making that kind of work anymore. I think there's plenty of people who've stepped in to do that and, you know, and are doing it better than I would anyway. Um, so I think I've, you know, I've definitely taken the, the idea of going with more generalised ideas around feeling and de and different things to make work about. Um, j just purely to ease my own, you know, um, anxiety. I've, I have, I have, I have generalised anxiety disorder anyway. And I was, it's kind of weird because... I know we were touch, might touch on this later. Like I had, a, I had a big operation a couple of years ago, and the, I had to learn to walk again, and um, and things like that. So I'd, I'd done lockdown before we all did lockdown. I'd done it like mm. the year before, and been in like one room for months. And so I was like, when it all started, um, I was like, oh, I know how to do this. I've done this already. But of course, this is a very, very different thing. And and I think that w w kind of sense of like, let's get this done, and we can deal with this, turned into. Oh, this is never ending. Um, <laughs> the relentless, like awfulness of stuff. That's not to say everything's terrible because it's not. But um, I think that that yeah, I realised that my work would have to change with that definitely. Yeah, I think that there's something to be said for that point of recognising. Okay, this is a long haul now, actually, mm. and it's, and and so the energy has to shift because I think at first it was like, okay, just get through this. It's going to be six weeks back yeah. to the world, you know. 
Um, and yeah, so not only is it a long haul, but then every day there's sort of a, a fresh hell of yeah. politics. So it's kind of like, <laughs> yeah. okay, bit of conserving, of, yes, <laughs> yep. conserving energy um, to to focus on, yeah, what and what you can give your kind of yourself yeah, to. I think there is definitely that sense of. Uh, narrowing down and focusing on different things um not you know i'm not abandoned it i'm still as i've never been more angry in my life you know i've never been more annoyed about things but is my anger is that best place to do anything for anyone else no i'm I'm just getting angry they're still there they're not going anywhere by me being personally angry you know it just it freshens and constantly like i resolve to do stuff about it But um, I do feel like, you know, me smashing out a piece of work about how angry I am about Boris Johnson is not going to change anything at the moment. Part of me feels like, you know, yeah, the sort of long haul kind of strategic planning is better. I do feel like they seem to rely a little bit on exhausting us and putting us off reading the news um, and, you know, because it's just so flattening. And I think actually having a bit of a strategy for change is is maybe more effective what do you what do you think sarah do you um i've i i sometimes do actually political works as well and i mean my surname is boris so (laughs) i've had a lot of uh, jokes where people love calling me boris and uh, uh, they forgot the the sarah bit they just call me boris and so that infuriates me actually and i've i've made a couple of works which were a form of like therapy with that because it it is really strange when that happens Um, and uh, I did a lot before until 2020 and a bit through the lockdown and then I realized that during the lockdown I I actually wanted myself to let go of those kind of political works like the fragile flag with uh, in relation to Brexit um, and everything that's being dismantled in the UK um, just because I was too sad and also because then on top of all these horrible politics, I had to deal with the grief, like we were saying earlier, also of lockdown. And and suddenly, like, the, the platform for debating things, which, you know, usually we could go out and we could see people and then you do also, also other things and you discuss the work in public. Suddenly you're discussing the work on social media and you're getting trolled or attacked yeah. on social media. And I couldn't deal with that then. I just... I just completely was like, I do not want to debate in this very small chamber because it, it's huge. And on on the other side, it's very small mm. because you're limited to a few words. And I just decided that I needed to make joy, more joyful works that were a bit like, I'm calling them the care bear phase, <laughs> <laughs> which is very like, so a lot of art, artworks actually also inspired from music. Like there was... Um, one by uh, inspired by Etta James and one by Aretha Franklin and 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 that really became like a, a good space for me like it's still it's, sometimes I still have this well I made a, an artwork for Palestine as well um, and raised funds for medical aid for Palestine and obviously you can imagine I had uh, various forms of backlashes from from mm. releasing that and um, you know. At, at the moment, it's in the gallery, and I, I wanted to post that it's in the gallery. And there's, there's this sort of part where, which is also very unbrave, but I, where I'm protecting myself and not talking about it too much because it's, I just can't deal with it at the moment, and and it's difficult because you also think again, like when we were speaking earlier, the grief and what they're going through over there is just crazy. And 
So I sort of also built tools on how to respond when I show these artworks, where I don't engage in debate, but I just share my sources. So I share the links, for example, to the human rights uh, website, uh, where they talk about the genocide over there. And, and, then I, and then I got into a further phase where I just like, I can't post about any political works at the moment. So that's when I entered the full on Care Bear phase, <laughs> which I'm still navigating. I like the one. sound of this phase a lot. <laughs> me too. Yeah, me too. Sort of self protection, I think, because, yeah, totally. um, you know, again, I, like I love the idea of the collective work and also fundraising and, you know, having work that is, um, you know, just not not for my my making a living, but just to to put things back out there. Uh, that's what I prefer, actually, even. But I I realized I couldn't cope with it at the moment, so. I've yeah. had to withdraw a little bit from it. I think, you know, talking about social media as a platform to talk about politics is is really problematic because, you know, more than ever we're so polarised um, and it's sort of fed that, I think, too, and um, all these sort of odd sources of finding facts, um, you know, which aren't necessarily facts through, through social media, you know, it cannot be relied on. So I think a lot of the the you know discussions that come up on there it can be really damaging and really toxic and just really unhelpful um yeah i i, I really agree i think it's really like you say it's sort of enormous but also very small at the same time and when you're isolated or you're alone or you're in a lockdown it can really really damage your mental health mm. um emma you've been writing a book mm. during the various lockdowns and over the last couple of years mm -hmm. or year mm -hmm. um which is obviously quite a solo experience mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> how has that been how have you got through that and it's an enormous achievement as well <laughs> thank you um i mean first of all i just want to reflect back on what you two are saying about um, just i want to just recognize how much energy it takes to Put, I think um, Becky used the word strident when we were talking earlier, making strident work, um, which will provoke um, a response. And my experience of long COVID and understanding what it's like to operate with below normal levels of energy made me realise the many things that require energy. And doing something strong or strident definitely requires energy and response. Mm. And you know, you know that because it's, it's not easy to cope with what comes back at mm. you on social media but I just I respect the work that you're making and the fact that you're making different decisions now and maybe we'll make different decisions <laughs> yeah, yeah, later um, but now that's actually made me forget what what aspect you asked me about, <laughs> about my book no, what, what was the particular part that you were asking me about no I was just asking you know how it has been to um, be quite isolated mm. and um, working towards this oh, massive yes. achievement well I suppose the thing is, is yeah I was by myself a lot um, but I was also in my imagination I was with like thousands of people all the time mm. because when I was some there's a kind of um, autobiographical strand through the book it's not a memoir but Dance is such a big subject that I had to find a route through it. And the route through it, for me, is places that I've been or places I have some connection with. Mm. So I was trying to reconstruct dance floors in the corner of my flat. 
like you know being at some jungle rave in manchester in 1995 <laughs> and and really trying to remember like on a body level where i was on the dance floor what it felt like what it felt like to get on the dance floor to be there to maintain your space to respond to the space that you know that that appears when someone starts moving differently around you what you have to do in your core to get off the dance floor what it's like in the toilets um you know what it's like when you're in the queue outside like this sort of exoskeleton of the club which is waiting outside because there was a lot of queuing at that time queuing's changed but the queue was also a kind of part of the night and so in a way it hasn't been lonely because i've just been <laughs> on these kind of like flights of imagination which were all very very communal I love um, this. Flights of imagination. <laughs> it's so nice. <laughs> and so at some point, I mean, since I think all of our senses of time were very um, distorted by the pandemic because what is Monday without Sunday? You know, yeah. weekdays, time, 10 minutes could be a really long period of time or a very short period of time. And I, I think everything became very elastic for everybody. But I was also feeling like all these different periods of time were stacked up in front of me um, and, and were as real as you know, 2022 or 2021 as it was the other week. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so it's been kind of um, actually very communal. Yeah, that's really, I, I love like, like stepping, this idea of stepping into different worlds mm. as well. Um, I found that a lot with, with painting this year as well in a way that I'd never had before. And it really came about because of, we decided to move to Lisbon for a few months and we were quite like, sort of smug about it at first because everyone was like in a hardcore lockdown here and we were like oh you know going to the cinema and a friend one night was like you went to the cinema (laughs) (laughs) and then we decided to stop saying like where we were going and um and uh and then we went into the most hardcore lockdown probably of the whole of europe and we were so we were like oh right okay just like take that smile off your face you're like in a really really strong lockdown but then started painting a lot and found that a really nice sort of portal Ooh. into a, like a calm world yeah. and and into kind of grief as well when everything because I feel like when everything gets very quiet that's for me when the grief starts Ooh. to speak again and I know that kind of this hyper productivity as much as it can be like a response to being deep within capitalism it's also been a grief response for me and I'm really aware but I just don't necessarily have the capacity to always change it so I think being in this real silence um is has been really interesting as well yeah definitely yeah I feel a bit like it's slightly off on a tangent but I've been forcing myself to get a hobby and not monetize everything I do right yeah and that's something that's definitely come out of the pandemic because I realized the only things that I do that I don't make money from are reading and going for a walk and I was like I want to just make something and then not feel like oh I need to put it in the shop now Discord come on yeah Yeah. why are you wasting a good walk yeah exactly you could could film this walk and then someone might buy it (laughs) or you could draw something while you're on the walk I'm like no I just I got really into like polymer clay at Christmas with my niece and nephew and I was like I might just start making small things for no reason it yeah. like re- feels like a good idea it feels quite it's almost quite radical to think about making things just for making just things for joy, it, it's yeah, like totally. and it shouldn't be as artists like it yeah. shouldn't be radical yeah. it should be like yeah. you know this is part of my process and no one actually needs to see this doesn't need to be seen as like content yes. for the internet yeah you know, that word content is just like oh, oh yeah, my god totally, yeah. it's actually quite discontenting yes <laughs> exactly yeah um so a couple of um songs that i kind of have 
drawn out from your um, various playlists are um, Ouvrez les Frontières. And for Tipe, both um, from Sarah, can you tell us a little bit about these two choices? Um, I think I'm going to get a bit, a bit emotional, but um, <laughs> I've been emotional actually since the beginning, since the first <laughs> song. That's good. Um, but uh, I think uh, Ouvrez les Frontières, so Open the Borders by Tikenja Fagori, is a, a, a song I think that's really important. Um, and And it's been important since the beginning and it still is and I think when I listen to it again now I have different emotions because of Brexit obviously and so I'm French and English and Swiss and uh, I was born in London but my parents are French and Swiss and um, I never grew up with this notion of uh, borders and I think I've, I've really been very lucky to be very free to move around up until Brexit, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and and so in this song, Tikanja Fakori talks about his pleading um, for people to open borders, um, and obviously it's made me think of everyone in the world as well who is affected by closed borders, and um, you know who who are also in political situations where they need to actually leave the country they're in. Um, so so Brexit seems almost very selfish. The grief I'm feeling with with Brexit in comparison to people who are going through, you know, famine and wars and political exile. And so, but but I thought it was important to to bring it back again and, and to sort of, uh, I'm still grieving Brexit. I mean, I'm mm. still grieving what we've lost and mm. what we're still losing. And, you know, uh, again, the well, we said we weren't going to talk about politics, but, you know, <laughs> the sort of really outrageous... Uh, I don't know if we can say shambles, it's not strong enough that, that they've put us in. And um, I go back and forth a lot in France and it's just become really stressful. Like you have to fill in Brexit plus COVID, you have to fill in so many forms and so many. And in some ways I know it's a luxury to be in between countries, but on the other hand, it's made me realize how borders are mm. so disgusting, mm. basically, mm. Um, and how you can be judged on your physique, your accent, everything. Um, and it's just really sad. I mean, the UK for me was one of the most open places I knew, mm. and it's gone to an absolute state of regression. And I've lost a lot of friends that have moved, and that I they moved in 2018, 2019 as a result of Brexit. And I actually, with the pandemic and Brexit, I've not seen them in like three, three or four years, and that feels really strange. So like we were texting each other yesterday, some have gone to Italy, Portugal, um, and it just feels really sad, like it feels like we're separated by this. Mm. And and so this song is like brings that to me, but it also brings also all, I think in relation also to some of the other songs I shared, it's like, where has our solidarity gone mm. with the idea of borders? You know, like, why aren't we letting people in? Mm. Why, why are we, sending people back you know mm. thinking of Windrush and stuff it's it's just awful and I just don't understand why we're not going back I mean going forward to more open places and why we're closing in yeah. again there's so, a real sense of regression yeah. I think with I refuse to say our government actually this government um it's a real sense of regression and this ridiculous sort of holding on to this idea of sovereignty which is basically going to annex us from the world yeah. eventually and mm. I think everyone our most immediate neighbors are are sick of us uh, well sick of these politics and it feels really painful to be 
on this little island. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And I felt the sense of the island so, so, so much stronger since uh, lockdown. So Brexit started it and then lockdown just made me think. So I couldn't go, for example, to France. And if something, I mean, like a lot of people were separated from their family. And if something happened in the family, I, I was at a point where I couldn't go. And I, I just thought, because most of my, my family is in France, and I just thought, should I go back to France, you know? I, I, and I just felt, but like, I've been here for so long as well. And it just feels very, like, I feel a bit lost, basically. <laughs> yeah, I think it's made a lot of people question identity mm. and belonging. And I think one of the most beautiful things about London that many people feel is the energy of it. And that is very much dependent on the, on transitions and people coming and going.